All right, welcome back to another edition of the Daily Dots here on Wednesday, December 6th. Uh, should be the last day of me going solo. I think I'll be, I think I'll be joined by Zach tomorrow so we can, uh, we can reinsert some, some excitement and fire back into the show. Um, first, I'll go through the markets and then we'll get into a couple notable things from the day. Um, stocks were up a good bit early on in the day and then faded pretty hard. Uh, S&P down about 0.4 and NASDAQ down about 0.6. Uh, small caps were actually up over 1% at one point uh, and then closed the day red. So that was kind of a nasty pop and drop for them. Uh, same with some other big name stuff like uh, ARC, uh, MAG7 stocks for the most part kind of were, went from strength to a lot of weakness. Despite that, VIX barely up on the day. Um, the dollar closed up about 0.2%. Bond yields, um, short end was up a little bit. And long end rallied rallied some on on yields there. Uh, very notable on the day, and I'll spend some time on on a couple of these. Uh, oil down four percent. Um, we had a an inventory draw, but a very nasty large gasoline inventory build, and I think that's probably a big part of it. Uh, time spreads have really collapsed, so the difference between the first and and the sixth month of oil has gone. Um, negative, uh, I think over a dollar actually. So the term structure of the crude futures market has has really collapsed from being um, very backwardated to back to contango. So that that's something that is signaling some pretty pretty big weakness in, in the oil markets. And this is despite the fact that we just got another OPEC cut, or at least a quasi cut. Um, I'll sp- and. Sp- not just oil, but natural gas got hit really hard today. And I'll actually spend some more time on that before we're done. Um, but before we do, I'll jump into a couple of things I've bumped into today. Um, we, we had ADP jobs uh, data come out today. It was lower than expected. I don't typically put a lot of stock into ADP because it can be violently different from the non-farm payrolls data we get on Fridays that the market actually cares about. But I do like to kind of look into some of the internals, some of the sectors and different breakouts they offer. And the only notable thing to me today was the fact that construction jobs were negative. And that was the first time in in about a year, I think 11 months of gains and some pretty big gains along the way. So that possibly rolling over, I think we've talked about construction employment ad nauseum on the show and probably will will keep doing so because I think it's sort of the the prime mover of, of the cycle at the moment. Um, so that was notable. We'll see if that follows suit on Friday with construction jobs would not be at all surprised if it did not, but we'll see, um, the magnificent seven interest coverage ratio. So I think there's been a chart kind of floating around about the fact that corporate America is still doing completely fine on, um, interest payments, like not hurting them at all. Um, and I know Mike green has actually done a little work on that. He thinks the data is literally wrong. Um, which is interesting to me. I don't really have an opinion on it. Uh, but I have seen some of the interest covered ratio charts for, say, the S&P 500. And it looks like, that's oh, not doing too bad. If you like, like pretty much everything else, if you break that out from kind of Magnificent 7 stocks and then the bottom, even if, you know, however you want to do it, top 10, top 100, top 50, and then the rest, it is a very, very significant difference. So the top is having no problems. But if you go to the bottom, say 490, uh, 497 even, there, there we're actually seeing interest coverage um, 
weakness starting to like really show up where people are actually having to roll over into higher interest uh, financing. And and then of course we know the smaller you get all the way down the structure, even if you break out the small cap index to the smallest of those small caps, they have the biggest interest problems. So really from the smallest, smallest market cap stock all the way to the biggest, you basically have a very um, uniform view on what interest is doing to those stocks. Um, gold notably, obviously we just recently hit uh, the new high and, and then dropped, but even at that new high, we're still 20% under the inflation adjusted number from 1980. Uh, we've, t- we spent time talking about, Hey, like oil, not really that high, even was 120 bucks inflation adjusted. Really it's the same thing for gold, gold at uh, 2000 inflation adjusted, not really that big a deal. It's not that high, which to me means they can keep moving higher. Um, and something, uh, I've kind of focused on of late is central bank buying of gold has been really substantial the last two years. And I think it's probably going to stay that way. Um, and if it does, that's sort of like passive inflows to gold in the same way we think of 401k money finding its way to, you know, the NASDAQ or whatever. I think it's kind of similar for, for gold where like the macro influences get a little bit tuned out. The retail buying gets tuned out. You know, what India is doing jewelry wise or whatever it is going to be like, get, it's less important on whether or not it goes up. Um, those will become kind of accelerants or amplifiers more than, than drivers. Um, that's something to keep an eye on moving forward. But that, but that also means you have to start tracking, you know, every month, what are, what are these central banks doing? Are they buying, still buying as much as they were um, keeping up? I know going into this year after like a record 2022 buying of gold from, from central banks, a lot of people thought, well, that's a one-off and it'll never happen again. And then 2023, it stayed really strong. Uh, my take is it's going to stay that way. Um, even though I'm not a huge like de-dollarization guy, it clearly does make perfect sense for a lot of uh, central banks around the world to, to want more kind of monetary independence and to want to diversify their reserves. So I think, I think that is going to be very sticky demand. Um, one other thing was the, I, I saw today was the Altman Z score is actually the lowest on record. And, and what that does is it, it looks at all these like manufacturing companies to try to figure out how close they are to bankruptcy. Uh, it uses profitability, leverage, liquidity, um, solvency metrics to kind of come up with, you know, what, what, what's the threat of these companies going bankrupt and it's the worst it's ever been. So we haven't actually had that many realized bankruptcies in 2023. I mean, it, it's obviously way up over you know the last few years, but I think considering what we've done with rates and if you just kind of looked at it, you'd be like, well, it's not that bad. But I think the Altman Z-score view shows us that and just the, the, the math people have done on how many quote-unquote zombie companies we have, companies that you know take a year of cash flow and they still can't pay their interest. Um, I think if you look at th- those two things together, you realize, hey, if rates don't come way down and have the economy stay at least reasonably um, buoyant, then you're probably going to have a lot more uh, bankruptcies in 2024 than you've had in 2023. So that's just something to kind of keep an eye on, especially from an employment perspective where obviously the soft landing camp thinks we can get away with not really having too much unemployment. Um, that was really it for the things that, that kind of caught my eye today. But one thing I do want to mention um, before we go is is oil to an extent, but then even more so natural gas. 
Um, oil down 4% as mentioned, and those time spreads kind of like really blowing up in the last few weeks. And on oil, like really in a little over two months, we have gone from 94 to under 70. So I that is that is some pretty significant price action um, really straight down in, in the last couple months. And again, that is despite OPEC doing their best to kind of keep things high. I think I, I still remember the headlines of people talking about uh, OPEC defending the oil price at, at 90. And then I was like, well, they're, they're, they're going to they're defend 85. Well, next thing you know, we're under 70 and, and you know, they tried to defend the whole way and they weren't able to pull it off, which I will argue probably does say something about where we're at for global growth. Not, not to mention the fact that a lot of us, and I'll say me included, had, you know, the basic supply and demand picture just wrong going into the year. Um, so I expect that to probably keep going. I don't really expect it to bottom here. I also don't expect it to, you know, go to 40 bucks or probably even 50 bucks. Um, but at the same time, in order to avoid going under say 60, what you're probably going to need is, is for especially U S production to actually start, uh, tapering off U S production is essentially at a record high. Um, and that's one of the reasons I have been a little baffled that natural gas um, has been as bad as it has, especially today. So if oil oil prices collapse, you would expect oil production to start to fall off in the U.S. And if that happens, you should expect associated gas production, which just means like oil production where gas is just like a natural byproduct of it. There's a ton of that in the Permian Basin. Um, naturally, it just has to go with it. If you if you turn if you turn off that that you know that oil well, then you're going to turn off some of the gas that comes with it, essentially. Um, so when I see the price of oil collapsing and the price of gas collapsing, I kind of sit up in my seat and take notice that, hey, a thing that might help gas is actually happening right now, and gas is ignoring that fact. Um, now, gas is doing it because production has stayed so high and because weather has not cooperated you know, whatsoever yet. Um, and I know some people think we had capitulation in oil day today because it was so ugly, I would argue today fundamentally made plenty of sense because of the gasoline build and just the the general trajectory of, of that market lately. But I would argue we did have capitulation um, or at least something that looks a lot like it in natural gas. If you look at the December contract for 2024 and 2025, so you're out a year and out two years where typically the moves are, are fairly muted – um, when you get that far out, like they, they move way less than anything close to um, spot or front month. And despite that fact, December 24 and December 25 contracts for natural gas were down four and a half percent. And that's that's with front month being down 5.2. So to have the contract two years out, basically taking the brunt of the entire front month move is very rare. And if you, if you just kind of look at the return you know, the return history and, and it just shows up on the chart as like this huge outlier for a one day move, um, that large. So that really stood out to me. Um, and I happen to have, you know, a bit of a weather view that I think the, the winter come January through say April even can surprise on the cold side. Cause right now what we've priced in is a very, very warm winter, all winter, um, so if you get even a, a marginal surprise there and you get production to go down a little bit for no other reason than gas or than oil production itself is falling because the price of 
of oil has, you know, uh, taken a $30 haircut essentially in three months, which is what it looks like it could be, you know, within a week or two. Um, I think there's a very good chance that natural gas can not only bottom in the next month, but, but can actually have a pretty substantial rally. Um, I would say through the winter and, and, and through the spring. So just something to think about. I'm not at all making any sort of recommendation there. Natural gas is a violent market that likes to, to inflict significant pain on people that, that trade it. So by, by all means, not advice and talk to somebody smarter, smarter than you and smarter than me about it. But just, uh, just something that some observations from, from my end, from, from the day that I think, uh, what we had in natural gas might be, might, might be some capitulation. And I think we're absolutely oversold. Um, something I'm, I'm happy to, to add to personally, but that's it for today. Like I say, we should be back with Zach tomorrow. And if not, then you'll have uh, four days in a row of, of just me. So we'll see how that, how that shakes out tomorrow. Um, hope everyone has a good one and we'll, we'll see you back here tomorrow. Cheers. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.